along the southern shoreline of San Francisco Bay, an historic wildlife habitat is emerging from a vast mosaic of former industrial salt ponds. For over 100 years, this area has been diked, dredged, and drained to create evaporation ponds to produce salt. But now, in a project that seeks to restore much of the area back to wetlands for fish, harbor seals, birds, and other wildlife at levels not seen in generations, a vital ecosystem is poised to make a comeback. The South Bay Salt Pond Restoration Project is the largest wetland restoration on the West Coast and one of the largest in the U.S. About 85% of those historic marshes were lost either to urbanization or to being diked off, levied off for salt ponds. In 2003, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and Department of Fish and Game acquired 15,000 acres of these salt ponds in the South Bay. To give that some scale, that's an area as big as the entire island of Manhattan. It covers 20 miles of shoreline from Hayward to San Jose to Redwood City. But turning back the clock on the huge expanse of new public lands poses some unique scientific challenges. Everyone thinks about restoration. Well, we're going to restore it back to the way the Native Americans had it. And that just doesn't work in an urban environment. We might say, well, for restoration, let's just restore everything. Let's just open up all those salt ponds, let the tide back in. Well, that's one approach, but it's not really a good approach because we have these salt ponds now, and many species actually have become used to the salt ponds. They actually use them. In particular, migratory shorebirds, waterfowl, and a lot of nesting birds. Many scientists are now performing in-depth studies of these salt pond environments. Caitlin Robinson, a field biologist for the San Francisco Bay Bird Observatory, is working on bird research within the wildlife refuge. It's going to be very important to some species to turn the existing salt ponds into salt marsh habitat. It's going to be vital for the California clapper rail, um, as well as the salt marsh harvest mouse. However, it's a fine balance because as you can see, there's a lot of birds out here that do really like the salt pond habitat. A lot of shorebirds and waterfowl nest very far north of here, actually a lot of them in the Arctic. And they fly south along what we call the Pacific Flyway, which we are right in the middle of. They'll either winter here or further south in Central America, some go all the way to South America. So the bay is really a vital stop. The San Francisco Bay has actually been declared a site of hemispheric importance for migrating shorebirds. One of the best ways to see this restoration in progress is from the water. Our tour of the former salt ponds starts at Artesian Slough near Albiso. So have you seen a clapper rail? I have. Um, one at the Baylands in Palo Alto and then actually one up at Eden Landing. And we hear them a lot along Old Alameda Creek, but I've only ever seen one up there, so. Yeah, they're not easy to see. A lot of people would like to see them and they're yeah. certainly a good indicator of how well we're doing with our restorations. Our guide today is John Takakawa, who is the principal investigator for the U.S. Geological Survey at the San Francisco Bay Estuary. He's part of the team developing the management plan for the entire salt pond restoration. 
the overall project is targeted for about a 50-year window, mm -hmm. and most of the best information will come in the first 10 to 20 years on learning how these restoration projects go. So this is a whole new process to everyone and a, a new type of a science, and I think we'll learn the most early on to help shape the future of the project. The plan is to breach some of the salt pond levees and let the tides flow back into certain ponds. This should allow them to become more natural marshlands again. Other ponds will remain much as they are. The concept is to progressively create separate microhabitats and give scientists the opportunity to study the effects of their work as they restore. They call this approach adaptive management. Most of restoration work in the past is called knee-jerk management. What we do is we try something, and if it doesn't work, I go, oh my god, we've got to fix this, and I try something else. It's really not well thought out. This, one of the really exciting parts of this project is we're going to do true adaptive management. Adaptive management really is a cyclic process of learning by doing. It's a process that's especially important in projects where there are a lot of uncertainties. So you bring the best science you can into the planning process. You identify what you know well and what you don't know well. Then you implement in stages a little bit of restoration at a time and you study that restoration. And then use that information in management decisions. Well, we're trying to learn from areas like this and hopefully what we can do is allow some of the water to come in and put in structures like islands or levees that hadn't been in there before because they're very good for water birds. And we might be able to learn a lot about what works for restoration to actually improve the value of the areas. This is the largest restoration project that we'll ever be able to do in the Bay Area. It's over 15,000 acres for us to work with. And so that's really helpful for the adaptive management because we're going to do it piece by piece. And we have an opportunity because of the size of the project over the next 50 years to learn these lessons and get better and better. These ponds can never fully go back to the way they were. Millions of people, along with their homes, bridges, and power lines, now surround the Bay. But the resiliency of nature is evident. Scientists can already see the environment adapting. When the levees are breached and pond management is changed, wildlife responds, especially birds, respond very quickly. As we lower the salinities in the ponds, species that like those lower salinities are going up, but species that like the higher salinities are going down. And so the project is going to undertake a large-scale experiment to create a mini salt pond system to try and keep some of those higher salinity birds in our system. Right away, we've opened some of these ponds, and it's amazing to see how much change there already is with bird use in the ponds and changes in the water flow. But to actually get the plants to grow, it takes a while because the sediment has to grow on the bottom and come in from the bay and then fill in the areas and then have enough for the roots to establish in these plants that are found in this area. So that part will take maybe a few decades uh, to several decades, and, and we'll see how long that is. Uh, there are some concerns about tinkering with the levee system. In the past century, some areas around the bay, such as Alviso, have actually sunk below sea level. The question is, could breaching salt pond levees increase flood risk? We're going to end up having to build a lot of flood control levees to address the most significant flood-prone areas. But just by restoring the tidal wetlands, this could be a great benefit. By having tidal wetlands out there, those waters can spread out over the tidal wetlands and absorb some of those flood waters. So just restoring the tidal wetlands is an excellent partial solution for helping with the flood problem in the South Bay. 
The project is also expected to provide new outdoor recreation. Trails and walkways will allow people great opportunities to view wildlife. Public access is an important part of, of the project. We want to provide features and, and trails, this sort of thing, to invite the public in, to have them feel connection to the restoration as well as to nature. We're going to be able to have wildlife-oriented recreation, bird watching, photography, just kids with their little strollers going out there. So public access is going to be improved to the bay. And we're having benefits for people all up and down the West Coast. This is a win-win for everybody. I absolutely love restoration because instead of sort of presiding over the damage, now we're making it better. And that's a fabulous thing.